Today's episode is sponsored by the Act of Perseverance. Because I think I've been chasing Jeff for about two years for this. And probably longer than the pandemic, which has been going on for about 500 years at this point. And actually, I remember interviewing you for a project I was trying to do back when I wasn't in any way technically able to do said project. And that day seeing you shoot, I got to watch you shoot, got to see you work. And then afterwards, you were very kind, gave up a lot of your time, talked about influences and stuff, um, showed me a lot of technical things I didn't know about. Uh, really has always stuck with me. In fact, I've had previous episodes of the podcast with people who I found via your recommendations in one way or another, which is kind of interesting. You've already got a footprint uh, on the podcast, which is very cool. We finally got the, got here. It's only taken 176 episodes, so please don't feel bad, Jeff. Um, but let's start off with the question that we always do. So you're a photographer, but what what brought you to this point? What made you want to pick up a camera and be a photographer? Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for the perseverance, I guess. So you finally <laughs> got me to suc- succumb. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. Uh, when I was younger uh, in high school, um, I had a homeroom teacher. Um, I don't know if you guys have homeroom in the UK. I've never really looked into that, even though I lived there for 12 years. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the teacher we checked in every morning with uh, was in the art department. Right. So where I went every morning from the age of like 14 to 18, every morning I was in the art department. So um, I got exposed to all the different things, the classes they had and the different uh, teachers that worked in that department. And um, one of them uh, was photography. And there were a series of levels of photography you could do. Um, and they had a dark room and, and, and all of that. So um, I took an interest in that as well as graphic design, uh, which is something my my homeroom teacher um, and her husband, who was another teacher at the school, they they both worked for Apple computer. Right. Um, this was back in like the day of like Photoshop 2.0 on like a, one of those Macs. It was like mid nineties. So right. uh, dating myself right now. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cool. I mean, we, we had color scanners and all that kind of stuff. They had everything cause they worked for Apple in the summer going around um, helping them demo all this stuff. So anyway, we had all of the, all access to to that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And it was, it just seemed really interesting because I got exposed to it every day. Um, but your first year in school, you, you, if you want to do art, at at least where I went to school, you had to take a year of design, which was fundamentals basically before you could do photography or any of the other stuff. So I was like, I jumped right into that and and took it because I, I wanted to do photography. It looked really interesting to me. Um, yeah, so I did that the whole time I was at high school. Um, so a good three years or so of, of it. And then um, I went off to university and I didn't have any money for film and that kind of thing. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, well, my teachers, actually the homeroom teacher that her and her husband were, were talking to me about trying to put a portfolio together while I was, you know, throughout the years I was there. And they said they'd, they'd try to help me maybe apply for like Parsons School of Design in New York. Okay. I, at the time, I didn't understand that. Um, my parents were like, oh, you should go into business, uh, go to, you know, focus on accounting or something like that, something that they, they knew. Um, so like going to into a career in, in say, art of, of any kind, I, I really didn't understand how that, that would work. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of understood the photography side of things, like maybe photojournalism, that sort of thing. But I didn't know that that would be, that would be me. So, um, 
I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, wow, these, these, these people were trying to help me get into like one of the top art schools in the world. And I, I didn't understand that at the time. Right. Um, but I, I ended up going and focusing on like biology and, and business, stuff like that. So for a while, I stayed away from photography, even though I had that kind of something that I, I really enjoyed doing. Um, and when I got a little bit older, I started getting back into it. Well, what, what brought you back? Um, that's a good question. I'm not 100% sure. I think once I had, um, I think digital cameras came out and I just got a small one and I found that I just was taking photos of different things and, um, and it started to come back to me. And this was in like the early 2000s at that point. So there was like a five-year gap where I wasn't doing anything. And then like, you know, you could buy like a three megapixel JPEG only camera. And I thought, well, you know, this is, this isn't bad. Cause I remember how, you know, I didn't have, I wouldn't at the time have access to a dark room and I it had been like five or six years and I couldn't remember, you know, how to develop film at that point. Um, yeah. So I just, I just got back into it from there. And then I started noticing I was, I was, I enjoyed what I was doing and I, I wanted to take it more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, I was traveling a lot more at that point and I, I went out and bought, I think, um, yeah, I got my first DSLR, decided to, to jump into it. And then, um, and then I almost died. Okay. So there was a unforeseen health. Yeah. I was surpri- taken by complete surprise. So I this mean, was you something did say I, that like the DSLR purchase and the death was almost yes. interlinked. But. I thought that they, yes, you know, you buy your first DSLR and that, that, that can happen. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, um, yeah. So I started shooting film again and, and all of that. And then I, so I really got into it, not just the DSLR, but I was, it was great. Cause it was when all the photograph professional photographers were just dumping their camera gear and getting DSLRs mm-hmm. um, back when like the D 700, the D three X that like those Canon probably had the five D Mark two. Yeah something at that point. So, um, I had already been, I had one of those and everyone was dumping their film gear. So I was like, Oh, this is great. You can get film gear super cheap. So I, I jumped back into that and, and picked up a, a number of, um, things that probably cost a ton now compared to what they did back then. Yeah. Um, and so I just really started getting into it. And then, and then I had, um, one morning I woke up and I had really strong, sharp pains in my side. And this is actually when I was in the UK mm-hmm. and, um, I found out like that week that I actually had pulmonary embolisms, Okay, which, which at the time I had no idea even what that was. Um, and I walked into the hospital and they were like looking at me cause I had been training for triathlons and whatnot, just as like on the side. And, and then they're like, yeah, you, you realize how dangerous this is and they treated me for it. And I had to do, um, I don't want to say blood thinners cause that's not exactly what it is, but I had to go on like a, a regimen of, um, medication and have blood tests every week for three months. And then I was fine. I've been fine ever since, but it only kicked in when, um, the doctors sat me down and it was just interesting cause the, the doctors were, um, not much older than me. And, uh, right. they were surprised that someone who's, in the shape I was in at the time could have that kind of problem. And uh, if you don't know what that is, there's basically blood clots that had traveled from my legs up into my lungs. Right. And if they had continued out of my lungs, I guess it could have caused a stroke or even just killed me outright. So I, and I had no idea I had my typical um, 
American attitude of, you know, walk it off, big guy, that kind of thing. So <laughs> it's definitely, uh, yeah, but it, it made me reflect on what I was doing. And, and um, I thought I should, I, sh- I, if you really love doing something or you enjoy doing it, you should probably um, make time for that in your life. Yeah. And, and so I did. Um, so I've, I've kind of been working that into my life a lot more ever since then. So, so, I mean, I do have a shared experience there cause I had, I had a heart attack at 19 and I remember being in the hospital with, uh, so I'm, I'm just coming up to my 20th birthday and there's a doctor saying to me, you know, do you drink, do you smoke? You know, they're trying to get a, a background on where you are health wise. And the, the guy said to me, uh, cocaine. And I was like, no, don't do drugs. And he's like, it's fine. I'm not going to tell your parents or your family. I was like, no, I just, I like, I literally have seen people around me do drugs, saw what it did to them, never touched any drugs in my life. Don't like it. And he was like, look, you really don't have to lie. It's fine. Just, we need to know because what we're going to do could kill you if you don't tell us the truth. And I was like, mate, how bad is my heart that like, I'm telling you over and over that it's not cocaine. And you're like, no, it must be. Um, so that was a moment when I was like, oh, this, this shit's pretty serious because they, they think I'm a full-blown cokehead. And I'm like feeling like Charlie Sheen at 19 years old, which is pretty great. Okay. So to jump back really quickly, you said, you know, that you, you, you moved away from photography, you came back and you found it. At what point, obviously from high school all the way up to now, I know it's been a few years since I came and saw you shoot. But at what point did you find photographing people to be particularly of interest to you? Um, let's see. So when I started, I was doing more landscape and travel mm-hmm. and street photography. And when I started taking it a bit more serious, I jumped into wedding photography. I know you do weddings. I do. Um, <laughs> so I think from that, um, the people side of things, I, I found it more challenging technically trying to get all fancy with lighting or what have you. And, and, the, and there's always the, the mental challenge too, of trying to get aligned with, even if it's just you and um, whoever the model might be or whoever's sitting for the, the shoot, um, aligning the vision you have and making that work. Um, or even more challenging would be, you know, a creative team involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're trying to put a, something together that, everybody is aligned with and is happy with as well. Um, I'm sure everybody has different expectations of what they want to achieve when they're, they're involved with that. Um, whether it's a personal project or, or maybe there's even more pressure when it's, you know, a client who's, who's trying to do some, some fashion work, for instance, mm-hmm. um, a lookbook or editorial stuff, what, what have you stuff that they want to use for their, their advertising. Um, so um, I, I liked that challenge. Um, I did like, don't get me wrong. I liked uh, wedding photography, but I, I found that I was feeling a bit more rewarded or rewarding when I was doing something a bit more on the portrait or, um, fashion side of it. I think the challenge was different. And I heard you talk on one of your other podcasts, was it earlier this week, the other day uh, about, you know, wedding photography being quite challenging. And, and I guess you think of, anything but what you're doing while you do it. But I, yeah. I know I used to bring like a change of shirt cause I'd be wearing like a black shirt, black button down shirt. And, and it would be, I'd be sweating during the ceremony because it's like, you just can't miss and you're trying to be creative at the same time and get really nice shots. And, and, you know, you, you don't want to accidentally have switched something on the camera. I mean, I think anyone that's ever done a, a wedding knows 
Well, actually, I got messaged about those comments this week about saying that I don't feel the pressure um, by someone saying that I, it was a bit braggy. And it's like, no, it's, it, I'm, it's like the opposite of bragging. I'm kind of pointing out that there's a bit of ineptitude there that like the most important moment of someone's life's going on. And I'm kind of at the point now, cause I've done so many that I'm just not aware of it in the same way that other people are. I'm just, it's just a thing in front of me. I think it's probably no different now than just doing street photography. In fact, I probably would struggle more with street photography because you have to, you have to seek out the narrative. A wedding, once you've done a lot of them, is just, you know, trying to be creative with painting by numbers. That's kind of where it gets to, which makes it sound bad, but I think your mindset can quite easily drift away. I do understand why people get nervous, but I do think that people that have done it for, I've done it now for eight years, I think it just wouldn't be the same thing. Yeah, I guess if you're doing, it, it does follow a similar workflow. Like yeah. every every one of the the weddings tend to. I mean, there, I'm sure there's differences here and there, and the venue, you know, there's challenges that come. Whether it's the venue, uh, the family, what have you. I, I was lucky. I had I didn't do it for very long, mm-hmm. um, but I did enjoy it, and I got <laughs> I got really lucky. I had super cool clients. Like they they were so cool. Like every single one of them that I had, uh, really nice. And um, yeah, I just I enjoyed. The, the weddings. I think the ceremony always got me the most. Right. That's the bit that me and my wife find the most, the most easy. Oh, really? Yeah. I found it. it the, I it's like, shoot, it the most shooting demanding. Fish. like yeah, it's just fish in a barrel. Yeah. Yeah. I can see what you're saying, but I, I, I found it nerve wracking because it was like, you absolutely want, I just wanted to make sure that that part of it, plus it's towards the, the beginning. Um, it, you just want to make sure that you've captured that part of it really well and you also i don't know i always felt like there were so many people watching what i was doing even though i'm trying to hide <laughs> but <laughs> so um, okay so quick yeah. question there then you shot your first model or your first wedding first uh wet actually that's a good question i'm i think wedding probably so the yeah. first model shoot then when that came along what what was that that experience like Oh, uh, well, it depends what you call a model, I guess. I had a friend that wanted to do, he had done like this really cool handlebar mustache for Movember or something like that. I, f- I forget why he had it. And it was, it was maybe a fundraiser of some sort. And, um, and I was like, yeah, we should, we should do, um, some portraits of you like this. Cause you, you look really, it, it looked really good on him, but it's not something he would have, um, kept. Right. Um, normally. So anyway, I was like, yeah, let's do it while you still have it. It's, it just looked really cool. And, and he played it up and it wasn't something I expected. And I think that they came out really nice uh, because of that. And I thought, wow, I'm like, as soon as they get the right personality here, you can really make something quite interesting. Um, that's, it, it, you know, it's not about whether you, you look good or not. It's, it's, it's I think for me, it came down to like the personality Um the, the way that someone carries themselves, the presence they have perhaps in the, in the photos. So that was my first experience with it was, was great. Cause there was, uh, you know, the presence was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the look was really cool and, and the personality just really came out and I, I wasn't even expecting it to that level. Um, I guess if it was boring and it was just quite, not quite there, it would have been maybe not as encouraging for me. Yeah. But just to see that that's what can happen, like having that, having access to some level of success early on with something, I guess, can, can motivate you regardless of whether it's photography or not. But in that case, that was what it was. So I was like, oh, I should really try to get, um, 
some actual models. Let me see, you know, if I can do some just headshots, portraits, things like that. I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go with it, but I wanted to experiment a bit. Yeah, it wouldn't have been too long after that. I was, I just started looking uh, to see if there were any um, anyone that was trying to get into modeling. Um, uh, maybe a friend of mine. I'm just trying to. Remember, I'm sorry, I don't have a, a like a strong memory of this, but no, okay. I, I think someone I knew recommended. Someone I knew who saw what we did with the mustache recommended a friend of theirs who had done some modeling and was interested in doing some more. Um, and I said, yeah, I could, this particular woman, I said, I'd be happy to do, I'd you know, spend a couple hours doing you know, some photos with, with her. That would be nice because I've never done that before. And it was, um, that was a, a good experience as well. And we got some nice, nice portraits at least out of that. So beauty shots it looked a lot more like a model shoot than it did like, you know, it looked like if you were going for a headshot for, say, a model that you're doing a test with or something like that. Yeah. It was. It would have been something more that, like an agency could have used that those kind of shots. They, I wouldn't say they were as good as like maybe what I'm doing now, but it was for me, it was like, again, I was like, oh, this is actually quite, quite good. I like this. And, and it's technically challenging. At the time, it was a bit more technically challenging. I was starting to learn lighting a bit more. Well, I remember coming to see you shoot. So the backstory of it was that I was trying to put together a, a series of video interviews of uh, different photographers. It pretty much was, I guess, the prototype for what's become the podcast. Um, I felt like it needed to be video because I felt like being a photographer and having a project that didn't involve any visuals would be kind of stupid. And I'm now kind of realizing that it actually works better for what I want to try and get across. But I, I came to where you were living at that point. Um, I saw you shoot for a couple of hours with a model, I believe, that was called Magda. That's always stuck with me. And then afterwards, we we talked for a couple of hours about, I remember you showing me your file storage, which was terrifying. And uh, you talked about like photographers that you're influenced by. You showed me some fashion videos. And you really, one thing that I got from you was that you put a lot of time into other people's photography you you actually you enjoy photography from other photographers as opposed to just wanting to create something like you seem to be a very influenced person ah yeah i well i try to be um i don't know if that's a good thing though um for me i i've i've i think because maybe some of that i struggle to try to define what i feel is my style i guess mm -hmm. uh, maybe everybody has that problem I, i've seen that a million YouTube videos show up in my feed and like, get your, figure out your photography style. And I'm like, yeah. So, but I, yeah, I absolutely love other people's work. Um, I, I still, to this day, I remember you um, coming and, and doing the video and asking me some questions about it. And um, I don't recall exactly who everyone was that I, I would have said, there probably would have been a handful of them, but I, I am always looking for, for, it, you know, something that I might find interesting or um, some, maybe there's something I want to borrow and incorporate into what I'm already doing. I think a lot of not just photographers, but other artists in different fields do that as well. Um, so to be I, honest with you, one thing that I've learned, not just from the podcast, but from being around photographers and having conversations with photographers that aren't into microphones and, and so on, is a lot of people don't. A lot of people that are interested in photography are interested in picking up a camera and taking pictures and then posting them and then counting their likes and somehow miraculously paying their 
electricity bill and whatnot with their likes on Instagram or whatever. But they're not particularly aware of other work. Or they might see something, scroll past it or double tap it, whatever, but they don't seem to be at, like actively researching photography. And I think I've always, already been... I'm already this person because when I was in music, it was for me very interesting to sort of seek out music that I hadn't heard before. And now in photography, I'm constantly looking for for new stuff and, and stuff that would challenge what I think is the way to photograph a particular subject or, or anything like that. Just people's different perspectives I find fascinating. It's just really not particularly common, at least not in my experience, that that's what people are interested in. And Having the conversation with you the first time I met you, and then actually the last time I met you in person, which was just before you headed off to Finland, and you you were talking to me about Raphael Pavarotti, and you were showing me magazine uh, images in magazines, and talking about like how much you like this person's work and that person's work. It's it's a very infectious thing that you have where you like you 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 made me want to go home and research photography and and like look at more photographers and stuff, and it's. It's it's something that's made me pester you for two years um, to have you on here, <laughs> among, amongst other things, most of which really is just down to your work. One thing that people will know from listening to this already, whether they are aware of your work or not, is you have a very calm disposition. You're a very calming person. Your voice is very calming. You have that lovely, non-twangy American accent that's very nice. When you said about the, the interesting part of photographing like people or models is finding that connection when you have different outcomes maybe in mind, you know, the challenge of actually just lining up with another person and getting the results that you both want. How do you go about doing that? Are you trying to bring them to your energy level where it's like calm and assured and, you know, easy? Or are you, if someone comes in and they're bouncing off the walls, do you try and catch up with them? Uh, well, before the shoot, um, it, it, it would be, um, so it, it depends on how the shoot, I don't want to say manifested itself, but if it was like, if someone came to me and was like, oh, I'd like to hire you to, to do, um, to help me do a portfolio builder, or like maybe an agency would do something like that. We, um, or if it's just a model perhaps that I know personally, and we have an idea in mind. So it could be, it depends on how it, it comes together, but I always try to put together um, some sort of mood board and, um, to give some semblance of an idea of what we could go for. Um, there's always constraints. So I can always, I can never go like where I want to go almost every time. I'm like, uh, I would love to do this, but we don't have the clothes for that or okay. the weather's not cooperating, whatever. So I try to keep it somewhat simple and within the constraints that I have. Um, so there could be the studio. I have a studio, so we have a studio space that's guaranteed. We can have access to that. Um, certain level of clothing, you know, and I, I think it does limit sometimes. Um, so like there's some schools of thought around, you know, different types of clothing, but I mean, I, I will look and say, all right, I, I kind of like a certain style. So I'm hoping I will ask sometimes what made you come to me? Like what, can you tell me some of the photos that you you've seen that you like you, what work do you like? Cause then I'll have an idea of what you're kind of trying to go for yeah. and whether that's in line with what I'm trying to do. And maybe I can even put a quick mood board together on Pinterest or something in like 20 minutes. I might have like a bunch of photos I can throw in there and, and, and 
send them over? And is, is this kind of what you had in mind? Or maybe they already have one. Uh, I've had that happen. And, and that's worked out really well, especially when someone sends something to me and I'm like, yeah, that's actually really cool. That's exactly what I would, I wouldn't mind doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it depends. Um, it depends on where it came from, but if it's like someone like a brand new model and the agency's trying to build their book and they're having them go to like me and maybe a couple other photographers to, to do that before they try to send them, at least from Finland, they try to send them out to different, different countries um, from the, like the bigger markets like Milan, Paris, London, that kind of stuff. So um, I'll try to have a set like test mood board. Like this is what we're going to try to get you, you know, like a good a couple of headshots that they can choose from because people have different, everyone's subjective on whether they, they like this style or that style. Yeah. Um, and, and a few different things that are maybe, I wouldn't say bog standard, but, but you try to have something there. But yeah, if it's like a personal project, I'll already have an idea. Maybe like the influence from those folks I was telling you about, I've kind of put an idea together and I'll, and I'll maybe usually a personal project will be a model that I've, I've shot with before. Uh, and I know would fit it really well. And we, we connected and I know that, you know, they're willing to make the time for it. It will be good. And they'll, I know that that person will put the effort into, um, you know, bringing it to the shoot so that we, we have what we're looking for. I, I hope that that answers that question. I'm not, not sure. I can give more, more details, but I guess it would depend on like, well, I, I think avenue that the shoot came about. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that, that I always find quite interesting is the, the, the approach people take at the, at the front of a shoot. Um, especially working with someone new. I think like I've recently worked with someone who I've worked with over the course of seven years, about 11 times. We're very, very comfortable. Like it's very easy for us to kind of, we we could do an eight hour shoot, shoot for the last two hours and have done eight hours worth of shooting because you can kind of, you can kind of work through things very quickly and you have a shorthand lingo with each other and you have a good idea of what each other's going towards and, you know, you don't have to, like, I find quite often you have to reword stuff with new people. You have to find a way of saying it in the nicest possible way. Whereas when something isn't working with someone that you know and trust, you can kind of be like, Hey, this isn't working. And they won't take that personally. They'll just be like, Oh no, they're trying to get the best photo they can with you. And especially cause I'm just, I'm kind of as someone that is just absolutely manic and essentially a, a psychotic human being trapped inside a sadly beardless exterior i'm kind of fascinated by someone like yourself you've always calmed me down like you're a very calming person you always bring the energy to a very very um i wouldn't say low eric it's not low energy because there's lots of enthusiasm but it's it's relaxed and assured which is really nice so if let's say you've got a model come in today new model you've never worked with them before um you've been sent them by an agency how soon from say they arrive on the hour, how soon until you're taking your first photo? Hmm. It depends. Um, so I, I like to um, have a quick chat. So it, it, the, there's a cultural difference here too between say how I would approach that in, in say the UK, um, certainly the US, um, but in Finland where I'm at now, um, people tend to be a bit more reserved and quiet. Not everybody, but for the I would say like the expectation would be that someone in that position would be um, for, the, for the most part, maybe more reserved than what I'd be used to in, in say London. So um, and everybody like, if, so if it's an agency, it could be the model might be like you know, 17, 18 or what have you. And they're going to be a bit um, 
quiet perhaps around me. Um, so I, I try to, I, I do get a little bit goofy sometimes just to, I think hopefully make things feel a bit relaxed. It changed the power dynamic a bit so mm -hmm. that they feel comfortable saying, I don't like the way that my face looks there or something. You know, I want someone to be able to tell me like, I don't really like this or I, what have you. Cause I, I, the more comfortable they are with what we're doing, the more likely we're both going to be on the, the, the same page and get, get better shots out of it. So um, I normally just focus though on, on the key things like, okay, you know, this is what we, we talked about. This is maybe depending on the agency, sometimes the bookers are really good. They'll, they'll tell me like, I want her to go here, here and here. And I really like this kind of style mm -hmm. uh, or with a guy too. Like I want him to look like, like this is what we kind of want to go for. And I'll be like, that's why we want, that's why we're sending them to you. Um, yeah, but that's not always the case. I, I like to ask those questions. I don't always get answers though, which is kind of unfortunate because I could tailor it a bit to, to be, you know, I want to see this person succeed. Yeah. I would, I would love to have them be like, you know, the next famous model or, or at least have a nice career in, in modeling and get a lot out of it. So, um, yeah, it, it depends there, but yeah, I'll just, I'll, I would say within the hour I'm shooting, we're starting to shoot cause I'm not going to spend all day doing that kind of a shoot. So, um, but usually we'll go through some of the clothes if there's no stylist and we've kind of, I have like a bunch of stuff that we, we can use, um, maybe pair it with what they have. Um, if I'm fortunate enough on this particular shoot to have someone styling it, then great. We've already planned ahead of time what we're going to try to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, again, it depends. Is there makeup or not? Um, do we try to go for like natural beauty or do we do a combo of like one look natural and, and the next one a bit stronger? And then I just kind of talk them through first, we're going to start doing this and we're going to, you know, maybe with these outfits, this outfit or one or two of things. Um, and then we'll switch to this and then we'll, you know, I try to give them an idea of how we're going to do this because they've never really, they may not have ever been on a shoot before. So try to give them an idea of how much time we're going to do, how this, how it will work, what's expected of them, make them feel comfortable, um, but not spend tons of time socializing. It's just, you know, I, I, I do talk a bit and I, I usually, when I have coffee, I get a bit chatty. So <laughs> I more than likely will have had some coffee right before. And, and then I'm just the, the, the guy who's talking maybe too much. Um, Obviously though, when you were in England, it was tea because that would only be culturally right. And you wouldn't want to be offensive to the English. Uh, but, of, but of course, yes. You, um, you mentioned that there's a cultural difference between the US, the UK and, and Finland in terms of the, the, the customs that you conduct yourself under, I guess, in a shoot. So like, I don't want to, you know, drag you down into it, but what, what's different about photographing models in Finland compared to the UK? Hmm. Uh, well, the, the only, the best way I could probably put this, <laughs> I've never actually had to explain this. Hmm. Uh, uh, the, the best way to do it would be, uh, I've had models who um, have shot in Finland, for instance, and then they go to some of the bigger markets and they probably see, and they've told me like, oh, it's, it's a, a drastic difference between uh, perhaps here and when they go to Paris, for instance, or London. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would like to think that not being Finnish, I do have a bit more of a a different approach 
I probably talk a bit more. I'm a bit more excitable. Maybe I, I don't, I've never really sat in on photo shoot. Well, I have done a photo, one photo shoot with a Finnish photographer once, but I, I've, I felt like he, like he was <laughs> very similar, you know, in terms of trying to get, you know, a certain, certain looks and the way he was, he was interacting. I don't know if I, because I was there at that, I influenced that at all, but it, it was, yeah. So I, I don't have firsthand experience of what that's like, but I've been told by models uh, Finnish models, at least, like, and some that are not Finnish who happen to be here, um, their experiences, say in New York or whatever, were completely different, and they, they kind of liked my style. And I, I'm sure there's models who are from here who you know would prefer a quieter approach to it, and and that's that's fine. But I'm I'm trying to find a good balance in between there. But in in, in the UK, it was different because a lot of the models are from different countries. And they come over and they have a certain, they, they may have certain levels of experience. Um, and so like I've had one model, it was actually, I'm not going to say who any of these models are, but this was a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. Um, I had a model who, this was probably one of the coolest experiences. So as you said, I have uh, a lot of photographers that I find influence from, and I, I like how some of that, that works. And um I was able to just tell her, I'm like, yeah, I want to kind of do a bit of a mix of this guy and, and this woman, their work. That's mm -hmm. kind of the look, that's what I'm going for with this. And they knew exactly what I was talking about because they knew those photographers, right? Like they knew that pretty well. We were having this conversation at the beginning of the shoot while we were just figuring out how, what we were going to, um, to spend, you know, we had two hours or whatever. What were we going to, how would we get the most out of that time? And uh, I was like, let's do a little bit of this mixed with this. <laughs> and she knew exactly what I was talking about, which I, which I thought was really fascinating because I, I don't know that that's something I could do on, on every shoot. Right. I, I enjoyed that. Um, what, 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 uh, I think I'll phrase this because I'm going to get canceled at some point. I just know it. Oh, don't do it with me. I, this is the first and, and possibly only time I'll ever be on a podcast. So if the last I thing I want to do is because of a podcast with you and you're like the most quiet, well-spoken person, I will feel like <laughs> I've achieved something to be completely honest with you. <laughs> like, um, the next time someone asks me, I'll be like, well, I got the, the guy got completely canceled on what I did. So I'll have another <laughs> podcast. It's just called Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> so I've had people on the podcast previously. I, I think Peter Coulson definitely said that Russian models are insane. Like they they'll throw themselves at their work to a to a crazy degree where like you could give them anything to do and they'll do it with hundred and ten percent enthusiasm and that they'll they'll uh they'll do it or they'll die trying kind of situation. What are Finnish models like? Because the impression I get is that they would be very, very reserved. Because my, my brief experience in Finland is, is that the people are very reserved compared to the loud general dickheads that you find in England. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't like to, oh yeah, you're putting, you've kind of put me on the spot because I, like, I'm, I'm being asked to generalize Finland, but I, I would say two things. One is that I, I, in Finland, there's a lot of Russian models. Okay. Um, so I have okay. shot with a lot of Russian models, even in the, in the UK as well. I've, I've had shoots with, with Russian models and I would say that experience was, depends on the model. I've had okay. everything from reserved to, um, you know, uh, very motivated and, you know, depends on, it, it was, it, it, I didn't have like a set example that like, yeah, I've shot with 20 Russian models and every one of them was like what you just described. <laughs> I was like, that's not the case. It was, everybody's different. And the same here with Finland, I've had everyone from very reserved to, um, you know, really, um, motivated and, 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 um, 
you know, a lot of parts personality. So I've had everything um, with 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 models. I wouldn't say that I, I would. I would say, oh, you know, you maybe at first. Um, it, it also depends, I guess, what the level of experience. It's like anyone. I think the first shoot is probably going to be a bit reserved and, and quiet and, and come out of their shell. Although I've been pleasantly surprised. I had a first shoot. I didn't even know it was the first shoot, um, and this model was just came right out and I, I was like, I cannot believe this was your first shoot. <laughs> you know, the personality was there. There was tons of presence that, you know, she's, she's definitely got, I think what it takes. And I, I'm hoping to see her have a um, really promising career. So um, I don't know that my photos will, will help in that particular case, uh, but she definitely had everything that you need to, to do that and um, wasn't, wasn't reserved at all. Uh, but I've had plenty of reserve models, both here in Finland and even in the, the UK or elsewhere. So, I mean, yeah, I, would, I feel I like at this point as well, people listening, and I'm going to kind of just talk to them now because um, I get to do this, Jeff. I control, I control the universe here. <laughs> like, like having met you a couple times, you are far too. I don't even think humble is the right word. You're dismissive of yourself, which is it's very frustrating when when you see someone that has the work that you have and and the ability that you have and the portfolio that you have. It's very frustrating to see that you're very dismissive. Which I, I suppose is just part of your nature, but I feel like with your work, I was trying to explain to my wife about your work, and she said she said to me, "Why do you like it so much?" And my wife is a psychologist; she will do stuff like that. She asks questions that are really other questions, and I'm always kind <laughs> yeah. of scared that I'm being secretly sectioned at some point. But I said to her, and I actually wrote down what I, what I said, because what I said was off, off the cuff, but it, it did pretty much define it, was I feel like your stuff at face value to a lot of people would be simplistic. Like people would look at it and if they're not, I think if they're not looking hard enough, they'll see it as just being very, very distraction three, simplistic, clean, cl- clean imagery. And I actually think it's very complex in terms of expression, mood, and the posing. And to me, the geometry in your work a lot of the time is very complex. And it's like, I can tell that, and it, I, you please tell me if I'm wrong here, and I'll probably still just ignore you and say that I was right. But I feel like when I look at a lot of your images, there are images I'm like, that is I love that image. And I know there's like eight around it that are very close. Like you found, you found something having watched you shoot, I guess I have a bit of an insight, but you, you, you started to work towards the pose and the lighting and everything was just lining up and you probably shot, you know, a dozen images or 10 images or whatever around it. And there was just the one where all of the stars aligned and the geometry was right. And the expression was right. And the mood was right. And the hair fell in the right way and everything just kind of lined up and, I feel like the complexity with you is the, the expression and the mood, but also the attention to detail. So have I sufficiently embarrassed you or am I in the right ballpark of, of your approach? Like, are you quite attentive to detail? Yeah, I would say I'm pretty hard on myself with it. Yeah, this actually, I had a shoot yesterday and that, that actually came up just like that in the, in the discussion. And I said, yeah, we could, we, you know, I, I was trying to do something with some motion and, mm-hmm. you know, the hair sometimes can get, 
you know, one shot, the hair was beautiful. And then the, the expression, the eyes closed or whatever, it's, you know, sometimes hit or miss when you're trying to do something with a lot of movement in it. So, um, yeah. And something similar to what you just described came up in terms of it, but yeah, I've heard that about my work and I, I like that. The other thing too, I, you're, you're right. I mean, I don't know if it's, it's not lack of confidence. It's just like, I, like, if you look at my work on Instagram, that's like, like 3%. Mm-hmm. I, I don't post on there. Um, I just don't like Instagram. Like I st- like, I just see it showing fewer and fewer people, the work, <laughs> like I have the stats. It tells me like how many people saw it when I post it and I'm like, no one's seeing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, all right, well, I know they're trying to turn themselves into TikTok or something at this stage. And it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't see the value. I post once in a while just to like, let people know I'm still alive. I'm still doing this, but it's not really, um, something that I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I wish there were some better way of showing the work. Mm. Um, I think I'm going to invest a little more time this upcoming year and, and maybe, um, building my website out a bit more so I can showcase more of the work that I, I do. Yeah. Um, that's probably something I need to do, but yeah, I think uh, what you described is pretty, pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that clean look. I like natural beauty. I, you know, I, I made like this big list of things that I, I like. Um, and what I find is that there's, there's two camps of, of styles that I really like, um, which is, which is, I don't know how to, it's, I don't, it, they don't, they don't work together there. I, I was calling it a, like a dichotomy of, of style, I guess. Um, so yeah. And even, even certain, certain models I, 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 I like for different reasons. Um, like I love the, like certain photographers, I love the, the edginess, the strength, um, like maybe cause early, early on I discovered like helmet Newton. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, his, his work and then photographers that kind of diverge off of that models that fit into that, like, uh, like, like Laura stone, for instance, she's always in very strong, yeah. um, confident and, and edgy, um, types of, of shoots, not all the time, but a lot of her work. If you, if you Google her, you'll get tons of shoots where she's looking super strong. And I, and I love that. Um, and then, there's other stuff that's a bit more, it's like soft. And uh, maybe I was trying to emulate a little bit of that with the more recent stuff I am on Instagram. There's like um, the dresses and the coast. I love the coast and then and working with some of the nature, especially here in Finland. I love it. So um, I just, this year, I'd love to get out more and, and do some of that, even just, you know, some personal projects like that would be, would be great. But yeah, I don't know, like making things more complex. Um, there's already, I think sometimes it's the, I mentioned earlier, there's constraints. So, you know, a lot of time it's, you know, are you, are you, do I, does, do I have all the elements of, of what I want? Um, usually I'm missing things. Um, yeah, you, you seem to focus quite a bit on, and I noticed this actually more the last time I saw you, which was just before you moved, you talk quite a bit about the things that you didn't have or that you didn't get or that the shoot didn't get. So you would, you would show me images and you were talking to me about a shoot that you had just done and your only words about it was what you didn't get, which is kind of interesting because obviously that's the only thing that I can't work out from looking at an image. I can't tell what you didn't have. Of course, because you can only see what I did have, right? Uh, yeah, and it's yeah. kind of interesting that, I don't know, it's, I think it's part of your 
it's part of your personality and I'm sure that there's a there's a it's it's a positive thing because it's led to you to to where you are in terms of the, the work that you do but it's it's very interesting as someone that's considerably crippled by self-doubt it's interesting to see someone that I would love to be on the same level as talk about their work as as a kind of a have not rather than a have that's always kind of interesting looking at your your website your your painfully underposted Instagram, which I would like you to post more on because it's, even if it's just for me, if you could just appreciate that. You do a mixture of film and, and digital and you obviously talked about starting off in the age of, in the age of film and, and then taking advantage of all these people jumping over to the 5D Mark II. When is it a film shot and when is it a digital shot now? Because obviously if you're doing a mix of both, how do you know when you want to use which medium? Oh, and that just got more difficult too recently. Um, How come? Well, one of the things I, I so this is great because I actually, you know, I told you I had some notes <laughs> to distract you, <laughs> but this is, this is a perfect segue here. Um, so I, all along, I knew um, I don't like the 35 millimeter format. Um, the history of film photography, I mean, you did, you, just looking back at, the, the very beginning from the 1800s up until till now. I mean, it, I almost, and I see a lot of fashion photographers too, um, especially portrait photographers, mm-hmm. um, 35 millimeter. I'm like, I, I like to shoot in four by five or six by seven, that format. I like to, and that's, I've been shooting Nikons for, for, for years and they have the ability to actually put a five by four raw file. So you can see, that on the back of the camera, what you're composing, mm-hmm. you know, it's right there. So um, I, I much prefer that. And I'm, I'm constantly, I shoot 95% of my work, at least in portrait mode. So as far as I'm concerned, and I, I don't want to be curious if anyone's ever brought this up on your podcast, you've had so many mm-hmm. discussions, like someone asked me, like, do you, if, if someone says like in a, in a, in a survey of say uh, camera manufacturers, like no one is literally making the camera I want. Like, right. Right. So uh, I'm like the, f- the f- sensor size is, is not what I want. I and don't, you know, very rarely will I use the 35 millimeter format. Um, and I'm almost always putting it in portrait mode. So mm-hmm. why are you selling me a camera with that format? And, and it's always in landscape. <laughs> like that's not what I want. Um, so recently I, I finally, I was like, Oh, what I'd love to have in is, um, something a bit more like, uh, and I've rented a few times to try them out, medium format cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one time actually I got a phase one for a weekend for basically free, which was nice. I think they thought I was going to buy it, which I would have loved to, but I didn't have the money for it. So it was, it was nice to just have it for the weekend and use it. Um, but I absolutely loved the experience because the back of the camera, you could see what you were getting and it was, it was much, it wasn't exactly four by five, but it was much closer than 35 millimeter. And I felt like, that is what I would love. Um, so, you know, I'm always been frustrated by that. And um, the film cameras though are there. So the Pentax 6.7, which I use a lot. Um, and then I have a, another Pentax um, 645 N2, um, which is 645, but still that's, that's much closer to what I, I would like to shoot than 35 millimeter. Um, and I, and I know the history of like why we use 35 millimeter, you know, coming from cinema film and all of that. But it's, it's, um, 
it's just not, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with cropping, but I, I like to see what I'm, I like to compose a bit more like as I'm shooting and I feel like I can see better the composition uh, when I can see it. Okay. So it's, it's process as opposed to result that that's more of an issue. Yeah. I, I like that. I know a lot of people I've seen comments on different, um, forums and stuff. I don't, I don't spend time on there, but I've seen in the past, like people have commented, like that doesn't bother them and that's fine. You know, that's fine. Everyone's different. Um, but I know I'm not the only one out there who would prefer to have that. Mm-hmm. And then I, and I actually have to wonder, I'm like, if you look at every fashion magazine, I'm like anyone in that industry is probably shooting mostly in that way mm-hmm. um, to fit the page. Um, a lot of them will go that way. And, and if you look at most photos even now i mean on instagram people or you use your camera you're getting this tall slim kind of photo or what have you it's not and it's in it's in portrait mode not landscape yeah um so i don't know i would love to have <laughs> medium format in portrait mode doesn't have to be four by five but maybe 645 and you know that's just the way it's been designed to begin with but i i recently i recently jumped over to that gfx system mm-hmm. i was like it's it's something i've been wanting to do for a long time. So I've been kind of saving up that, that, that hundred S came out and I was like, all right, that's, that's, that's it. We're going. So I was glad I'd kind of put some, some money away for the, the Nikons I had have been are good five plus years old, six years. They're, they're definitely, I still use them and I love them, but they're, they've, they've got some serious wear on them at this point. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to jump to a mirrorless system at some point. Um, I'm going to need to do the whole thing. So I just, I, I don't like getting into gear around cameras too much, um, yeah, but it is, yeah. it is interesting to see the massive difference between, I use a Nikon D810. I had like two of those when I was doing weddings and stuff earlier. Actually, no, I don't think I had those for the weddings. I think it was before that. Anyway, but I've got those. I've used them for years. And now all of a sudden I'm on this mirrorless camera that like tracks, you know, eyes around the, it's it's crazy like the the technology leap um over a six year period um i just haven't been that exposed to it so well i mean sorry i just i just rambled there sorry no not at all it's the issue with the sensor size and that is it and the, the format size generally is kind of an, it's always coming up i know that there's a lot of dislike i i, I actually talked about this i think on maybe not the last podcast i recorded i've recorded so many in the last two weeks i'm trying to remember where i am but basically about the digital side of things being kind of hilariously the opposite of the film side of things when you when you start shooting film and you pick up a 35 millimeter which is essentially full frame in the digital world you're at like the bottom of the food chain and in digital photography until very recently that was kind of the top of the food chain so yeah, it's, it's kind yeah. of interesting when you come from the digital side of things and you're like, oh, I'll try film and you get a 35 millimeter camera and instantly people are like, rubbish. And I like 35 millimeter because of the way that I shoot. I, I kind of, I want to create chaos and I want people to be reacting as opposed to like me carefully orchestrating a photo because I just don't have the intelligence to carefully orchestrate a photo. So to me, having the ability to kind of bounce through 36 photos to find three, four, five, six that, that really bring that, that difference, that energy to me is really good. With that said, I, I feel like with you, 
that's where the personality difference would come in. And the 35 millimeter would almost be on top of it being in a process sense, not right for you. It would almost be a waste of the time that you're spending because you can, in, I get the impression at least from watching you that you can see the end product in your mind before you get to it and you are working your way towards it. Therefore you might as well have more film, you know, real estate to work with and resolution because you can orchestrate an image in a completely different way to the way that I would, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think I get where you're, where you're going. I mean, the other part of it too, is for me, I, I have three 35 millimeter cameras and all three of them are currently broken. <laughs> um, that, that does so make a difference. Good, yeah. It's like, uh, but yeah, I did like the, I liked the, the larger format anyway, especially for portraits and, and whatnot, our headshots, those kind of things. It's, it's, it's nice. Um, all right. And I, I think a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Let's, let's talk about retouching then, because to have a consistent look when you are shooting digital and and film is something I see uh, quite a few people struggle with. To be completely honest with you, where the digital stuff looks very, very digital, and the film stuff looks very much like a digital photographer trying to scan film. Um, when it comes to retouching, do you try and do do you have like your film being the base idea of what you're trying to get to and you make you try and match your digital work to look like your your film work especially i guess when it comes to black and whites because i really do see a consistency there which i don't tend to see with a lot of other photographers oh um yeah i would say i well normally i'll start off with digital to get the feel for where I'm, where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then only then, uh, so it depends. Um, maybe we're warming up or getting into the mood. Like this is what we're going for, for the shoot. This is the mood we're there now. Let me get the film camera. We'll start shooting. Um, and so the digital might dictate a little bit about how, how that will look. But I, I usually in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm using this particular film because I want it to look a certain way. And I'm not really too bothered about the way the the digital one will look. And I think just the way that it's being lit, whether it's a studio or, or outside, um, I will, um, it's, it will somewhat come, come across in a similar fashion. Um, but it, it depends. I mean, for me, sometimes the, the film, if it, I tend to shoot a lot more black and white film. Um, mm-hmm. although I do, I do, I do shoot some color. I do shoot a lot of color, by the way, <laughs> it says don't post much of it. Mm-hmm. I, um, don't like sometimes how, uh, Instagram or, uh, even sometimes on my website, if the browser doesn't use the um, the sRGB um, thing, it, it can it can look uh, way off uh, if if it's not displayed properly. So black and white tends to be a bit more uh, in line, uh, regardless. But I yeah the 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 film um, the film stock will help define define some of that um, that look. Um, but yeah, they 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 do. I can see what you're saying. They they do they can look somewhat consistent, and and I think for me, I yeah, I, there's probably some debate around this, but I, like for for people whether they like to do this or not, but I like to leave the um, the borders in um, on the film shots so that you know that if there's a set of images that are a mix of digital and film, that the film is more obvious because the border of the film is there, so you can tell like oh that one was digital and then the one with the border is obviously film because you can see there's like the you know you can see the type of film and maybe even some of the details depending on the camera i use so um i i, I like how that looks too i think it has a certain aesthetic that i i i, I like mm-hmm. um but 
not every not every shot with film. I mean, I've I've had to crop um, plenty of them, so I, I I try to call it out because I don't want someone thinking, oh, that that shot was was fantastic. How did you do that with film? <laughs> like, no, no, yeah. that one was did that was digital. The one next to it with the border, that's that's the film one. Well, it's reminiscent of Kyle Ferrez, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, and I think you and him are very similar stylistically. Um, he doesn't shoot digital at all, but you're very similar stylistically in terms of the actual kind of genre mood expression of your work the types of models that you work with and especially black and whites and something that i've been banging my head against the wall about for about 10 years is trying to figure out how to get the balance of black and white right because it has to have to me it has to have very very defined black and white points you have to there has to be you know it can't all be muddling in the middle because then it's just cloudy and messy and it's not a good image and to have loads of punch in a black and white image like you get, but also have loads and loads of detail and, and the sort of tactile nature of it is it's incredible. I mean, I know that you've been doing it for years and you're super intelligent and I'm just an, an idiot that's not really figured any of this stuff out, but it's very frustrating and very enjoyable to see like yourself. And like I say, Carl being so good at kind of crafting what I would call the perfect black and white. Which is why I'm glad that you post a lot of black and white and why I'm hoping that you're going to continue to do such. But in terms of like your look, how did you, how did you find what you wanted your images to look like? The, the, the genre and, and the end product, because it's, it's a culmination of all your influences. It's not just a, ta- it's not just a, a technical exercise, is it, photography? It's got to be an artistic one. So how did you find your way to be in the position you are with your work, what, what's your look saying? What's your, what's your mood? Oh, what does it say? Well, one thing I could, I should probably mention about um, figuring out getting that. I, I do shoot with black and white on the back of my camera. Mm-hmm. So the digital camera, I see the images in black and white, even if I'm, I mean, I, I will switch it to color if that's what we're looking for. Um, if it's, you know, depending on the particular project, but um, a lot of times I will shoot in, I will see the back of the camera image, the JPEG that it shows you in black and white. So that gives me a pretty rough idea of how things look um, or how things will look, um, whether it's post. I, I know, I mean, just having used the same camera for six years, you know, like what, whether it's, you know, it, it looks a little, you know, that it looks a little darker on the back of the camera in the shadows than it will once you have it on your screen and you, you play with it in post production. You just kind of know that. Um, and then again, the film stock, I know that like, I'm going to get that kind of contrast that I'm going for with like HP five, for instance, like I, I that's one of my favorites, or I, I do tend to use, use Ilford quite a lot. Um, I like their film plus the Kodak is starting to go up in price like crazy. So, yeah. um, I like Triax. don't get me wrong. And, uh, what is it? P 3,200. I like that too. I wish they could make that in 30 in a. 120. That would be nice. Um, if anyone from Kodak hears this, please make that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of, if, if I'm seeing it already digitally, what, it, what I'm going for, I can pretty much tell now like, Oh, that's going to match or look good with that particular film. So that's probably a good, a more technical side of the answer to, to what you had just asked. Um, but yeah, the, um, the style, I, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I will find something, um, I, I spend a lot of time 
this is the stuff I think you 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 probably like. So, uh, I, like I've told you about photographers in the past, hopefully exposing you to that. But it's not just that. I think I try to spend a lot of time now. Um, I've like, especially the last few years, I'm like, oh, if you want to do fashion photography, like you 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 can't just know like all the technical um, camera stuff. You can't just um, you know, know all the cool lighting and, and what, all of that. And, and maybe even just follow photographers. Um, it, for me, it's more like, all right, well, what is it about fashion that you like? What do you know about fashion? Um, you know, there's photographers who come out of schools like the one I mentioned Parsons earlier. And, and, um, here in Finland, we have Aalto university, uh, which has a fashion, um, design aspect to it as, as part of the art school there. Um, but yeah, if you're, you're in, and, and there's Central St. Martin's there in London. So th there's photography programs within that. And they, they have access and exposure to these these classes. You can learn about fashion properly. Um, you know, I don't have that background. And it's something that I do find interesting. So finding fashion designers that I think are interesting to me, that I like. Um, I've been really trying to dive into. Um, there's some really good resources, particularly on YouTube. Um, there's people who are incredibly passionate about fashion and they run their channels on, on say YouTube and, and following them on social media as well. Um, and I, I've just found myself learning so much from them over the last few years and, and also following the designers that I see in some of like, there's certain um, editorials, for instance, I will have seen in the past and I'll be like, Oh, I absolutely love how that looks. And they're using They're doing it with, these particular designers and I'm finding like certain consistencies and looking at the work that, um, and certain uh, designers work with similar photographers more than just once. So you, you like, Oh, I really like the work that, you know, this person does. Um, well, they're working with this particular client of theirs, this designer, for instance. Um, and that's why it's all coming together really well. That style that he has works really well with this particular type of clothing and the style that they they work towards. So um, it's kind of led me down that path to try to learn more about that. And I thought, well, um, you know, not going beyond <clears throat> commercial photography for, for say designers, but understanding all of that, I think helps a lot. So I've, I've just been spending a lot more of my time trying to, trying to get um, more depth to that that side of things. And I, I'm not sure how many you know photographers out there do. I mean, they focus on the style of what they're trying to do and what have you, but I just feel like it, it's, it's important to really, to really understand that. Um, I, I think if you interviewed um, and I've seen interviews with, with like Tim Walker and, and, you know, people who are really like Paolo Reversi and then I hear, you know, them talk about certain things and they'll, they'll hint at certain that they, they definitely have a, a certain depth of knowledge in, in some of that, um, when I've seen interviews of, of those photographers, I thought if you, you want to work at, at a certain level, you really need to have a better understanding of that. So, um, it's kind of so like that, being a sports photographer or being a wildlife photographer or anything like that. You have to understand the, the, the process and the conflict of what you're photographing to be able to track it competently. Like, you know, if, if you don't understand the animal, you're going to have a lot harder time being able to take a picture of its behavior. If you don't understand the sports rules, you're not going to be able to follow where the action is going to go next. And I think fashion, like you said, there's, there's, there's definitely an issue with photographers in general being very, very camera centric as opposed to being subject centric. Mm. But having that knowledge, it's not something that comes up an awful lot really at all. I, I can think of one photographer off the top of my head 
that I've met in the last few years that really talks about the subject of fashion or of design or of the um you know the the look of what they're creating and and how to make all the decisions within it diegetic to the end product as opposed to just I've saw a shot that looked like this so if we get a piece of clothing that looks similar to that and the model looks similar to that and we take that picture that'll do and it's like that'll carry you I guess at the lower levels but like you're saying to be able to really make your way into the industry and to stamp your mark on it you really do have to have an understanding of it to be able to have an expression with it yeah and i think i think if you you have that um you can add a lot more value and, and also come up with a better vision of what you're trying to achieve and and not only that but work with with the team that you're you're working with having an understanding of of, of where they're coming from um whether it's the stylist, the creative director, what have you. So um, that, that I think is, is quite important. So, I mean, I have books on like fashion um, illustration, trying to understand from that perspective. Um, I've been looking at reading up and learning and, and watching YouTube videos and, and all, all sorts of you know, resources on understanding different materials so that there's a certain you know, whether it's, you know, having the, the foundations of, of materials that are, that are, are used and, and then kind of where, where that's going, um, particularly with when it comes to, you know, sustainability is a huge thing in that industry and trying to, trying to follow that and, and understand, um, those aspects of it is, is quite, quite important. Um, a lot of brands are becoming more ecocentric and, and even the, especially up and coming brands, particularly because it's, it's something I think understanding the consumer side of things, like, uh, I don't know if you check out like the business of fashion and, um, I think Vogue has newsletters that you can sign up for or even pay for, um, mm-hmm. that are more focused on the business side of things. So that, that, that stuff is interesting as well. Um, is it a case though, that if you surround yourself with these things, like you said, you've got these books that are maybe not just photography centric, but just fashion through other avenues and you're constantly immersing yourself in these different things it's kind of like if you were to just move to a country that speaks a language that you don't that just through osmosis you're gonna you're gonna connect with a lot of what's going on and it's gonna sort of filter its way through to your unconscious without you having to actively learn it like it's a textbook (laughs) being in finland um which is an incredibly difficult finnish being a very difficult language I would love for osmosis to work. That would be fantastic. <laughs> it's it's one of the more difficult um, languages. Uh, I think it's even ranked by like the UN or something in terms of like where it stands. But yeah, that would be great. But yeah, absolutely. I think surrounding it. I love that. And you can derive the passion from it. So like, I'll give you two names. I wrote them down earlier because they're, they're a great place to start. And then you can diverge from there. Uh, but they have amazing, both of these two have amazing YouTube channels. And if you um, want to learn more or, or get, um, or just find more passion about the subject, uh, yeah. these two guys, these two people do an amazing job. So the first one is um, there's a guy named Bliss Foster, right? And okay. he has everything from fashion 101 up through like just diving into details about particular designers that he likes and 
and um, he's really passionate about the industry. So you know, you if you've if you've not if you know nothing about fashion, like that's a great place to start because he's got some videos in there that would literally get you started on, on learning more about it. He's even got videos on like. Uh, talking about uh, should you go to fashion school or not? What should you do? You know, I, I find a lot of what he, he brings up quite interesting. I, I like how he really gets into it and it, particularly the passion he has towards the fashion world um, and, and trying to explain it uh, and, and make sense of it all. Um, and I find him very easy to watch. He's, he's a, he's quite the character. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure that I have, I don't, share the same fashion sense as him there's, there's a couple different <laughs> school like he he likes certain designers and i'm like that's that's great and i re- i understand them a bit more through him uh, because he talks about them quite a lot but they're not really where my idea of where i would go with it but i i understand and he's he's great about explaining new fashion designers as well he just had a video i think this week where there was a, there were a couple that i hadn't heard of before um and he did a great job of explaining you know what makes them why, why he put them on his list and what makes them interesting. So it's, it's a, it's a great like kind of resource to, to go check out if, if you're into fashion uh, or if, if you don't know much about it and you want to dive into it, that's, that's a great place. And another one I absolutely love this. I don't know. This guy has access to everything. Like his, his videos are at the top level in terms of like having access. Um, so his name is, uh, he's French is a uh, I, I hope I say this right. Prigent. Um, and I can, I can send that L O I C is his first name. Yep. Um, so you, you, you'd be able to find him, but he goes and he has like a small team of people that actually go and, and do these uh, videos with him and he gets to go on, um, like he, he, he works with the biggest names and he seems to be known by everybody. So I would say you'll, you'll get right away, but you'll, you'll, he hit the passion he has for it as well. comes across, uh, readily in would any be, of the videos. Would it be uh P R I G E N T? Um that's right, yeah. Okay, just want to make sure that that's you know possible for people the to I, the I is like one with like the two dots over it or whatever. But it could be umlaut I do all at once. I'm English. We don't do special characters. Okay. We have a very finite amount of space in our brain and most of that's dedicated <laughs> to arguing in forums about people from other countries being wrong about how wars went. Okay. So we have to dedicate a lot of brain power to that. We don't have anything left for other languages or compassion. There's there's a ton. There's a ton more. But those are just two examples because like like Bliss will talk about, you know, everything from 101 to you know all kinds of things like anti-fashion and all this other stuff and then loic is like bringing you front and center with dior there was a video we had recently with a fendi show he was behind the scenes and it's it gets you in there it's it's pretty good just those two alone could give you a great starting point in in trying to learn more and and find you know, things that will be things that you maybe didn't even know if, if you're, if you've never been exposed to it, th- those are great places to start. And then you'll find, I'm sure your YouTube feed will start to show you all kinds of other cool stuff that's out there. Cause there's, there's a lot. So I did a quick Google. I want to fact check you cause this is a, a fountain of truth, my podcast, and it's uh, apparently ranked the ninth hardest language finish right behind Vietnamese and ahead of Korean. So ninth is pretty high. That's, that it's, that's pretty good for the fact that it's the character set is, I mean, you, you have to learn a completely different character set for both of those other languages. So, yeah, I mean, I think the only language that I really know in Europe that I, I don't think is possible to learn, like my brain can't comprehend is Hungarian. 
because it doesn't come from the same sort of birthplace as all other languages. But now this is sounding like an intellectual podcast, and it most certainly isn't because it's run by me. Just so, just so you're aware, uh, Hungarian, Finnish, and, and Estonian are all in the same. Well, I'm, I'm, I, pick, I picked one. I picked one, and I'm saying yeah. it's the best. That's how it works. <laughs> now I have to argue vehemently about that for the rest of my life. You mentioned earlier about commercial work. And very briefly, in terms of just for you, how is the process different in commercial shoots compared to editorial shoots? Well, I think in both, well, in, well for editorial, it depends. Like if you're trying, usually that, that kind of stuff is a bit more, uh, for me anyway, my, my personal experience has been a bit more on the uh, personal project side of things. So I, I think it comes down to, um, in that case, trying to put a vision together and, and bringing the right team together and, and adopt, adapting it to everybody's kind of input, but keeping it still in line with what perhaps I may have had originally. So having all of this, whether it's fashion, um, understanding of certain types of things that I want, I want to go through from there, or maybe it's uh, some, some editorial I've seen. Uh, or some images I've collected on a mood board over the past year, and I want to try to go in this certain direction. I'm kind of, I wouldn't say dictating, but dri- I'm in more in the driver's seat there. Okay, yeah. Whereas um, it depends on the commercial project. I mean, if it's just a, a lookbook or a, um, something that that isn't going to be uh, quite editorial, then um, I, I would, you know, this I've been asked this question by clients too, like, how involved do you do you like to be with this? And I'm like, well, I, I think you know being involved with the pre-production of the shoot to, to some degree uh, is, is essential if you want to have success and get what you, what you want. I mean, that's, that's important. So it, it depends on the client really, because they, they may have, um, if they have a bigger budget and they've got a bigger team or someone that's like, say, taking on the creative director role and then, you know, working with them to make sure that it's all, it's lined up and that what I'm going to be doing works with them, then that's one thing. Um, another would be, maybe a smaller client and they need more direction from me and that's fine. I'm happy to be in that kind of role because it, it would probably be um, a little closer to my personal stuff, but at the same time, I need to make sure that um, it's meeting their needs um, Mm. that, that, you know, so understanding what they're trying to achieve with it and where I can add value. That's that's the most important question. How can I add value? Um, Where do you perceive the most value coming from? So I can align with what I'm trying to do. I mean, I'm probably sounding, you know, all business right now, but that's, that's kind of, once that's clear, then you can start getting it for me. It's like, all right, I understand what you're trying to do. Um, so whatever I'm doing creatively can, can fit that or help to deliver that for them. So, yeah. And then in terms of the shoots themselves, I, I don't want to dwell on this cause I always sound so negative. I can't help myself, but everyone has issues on shoots, even, you know, when you're doing just personal work, that can actually be where the most issues can come up where, you know, things just aren't quite working out. You're not getting what you want from the shoot. Maybe you're not clicking with the model or the idea you had in your head isn't kind of manifesting the way that you wanted it to. Do you have like a, do you have like a, a set of, uh, uh, you know, maybe a group of lighting setups or, um, like go to, um, I don't know how I would want to describe it, but do you have a way of kind of clicking back into gear? Do you have like a reset button for a shoot where perhaps you could say, okay, well, we tried this lighting setup. We're trying to do something a bit different. It's not working. Let's do something that's a bit safer. Get something in, in you know, on, on film or, or in the camera that 
that's more like we want to build the confidence back up, make sure that we have some images from this and then try something a bit different. How do you go about dealing with shoots that aren't quite going to plan? Uh, well, you pretty much just described it. I, I mean, I definitely go in there with, uh, there's plan A and, and um, part of that <laughs> is, is to come up with, with plan B and plan C so that you, you know, yeah, absolutely. There's definitely fallbacks. I always have a fallback. Not only that, but I've got it figured out ahead of time. I know exactly that I'll have like written down plan B or I'll have a, like a lighting plan. This is what we're, we're trying to achieve here. And if this isn't working, but I, I, I don't go into, if it's a client thing, uh, um, it's not going to be something we've never done before unless that's, <laughs> you know, on the day they're absolutely adamant that we try something. I'm like, all right, well, there's, there's, you know, there's a time constraint here. So uh, experimentation, mm, that may not be the, 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 that wouldn't be the course of action I would advise, um, you know, and diplomatically driving, steering that conversation back to something that was part of the original plan and, and making sure we're, we're getting that. But um, I would usually try to, this is again, the pre-production thing. Be like, oh, the client wants to get this and we're going to shoot in two weeks. Well, I, I probably want to spend a little, if I can, I'll spend a little bit of time, um, uh, maybe I have a test shoot or something. I, I can um, s s test something out a little bit as part of that. Yeah. If that fits into the the, the thing. So I have a, I definitely don't go or have an assistant or someone, someone come along and help me and I can work out. Um, I've got a couple of friends who are like muses and I, I can have them come along and we can work. Some, you know, they're happy to, to help if they're available. Um, and um usually I'll figure it out ahead of time. Like I, this is, it's like, I'm going to try this, then this, then this, then this. And if this doesn't work, then I'll try that. I'll bring in some more fill or whatever. You know, I'll have a whole kind of a very methodical approach to figuring out what's going to work best. And then I want to try it out in post-production as well. How does this actually look? Is there any, you know, am I, is, does it look good at, you know, in camera? Do I, sometimes there's little tricks I'll do or, you know, um, underexpose it on purpose to get a certain look to it. Um, mm -hmm. That might be part of it. And I've got to play around with that to make sure that that's, that's going to work. So it, it depends on how complicated it is. But yeah, I, I would try to make sure that that's all clear. And I maybe even show a client that like, Hey, I went and tested that idea we had. Um, this is what I have. You know, is this what we were, what you, what you were having in mind when we were discussing it and making sure that that, that makes sense before we go and actually do it. Um, so, but again, it, I always ask that question, like, is this, is there work that I've done previously that, that is that why you're coming to me or is that what you want for yourself? And then well, I Do you know, find yourself getting approached at all and people are wanting you to do something that's just not what you do? Um, not because so you, much. You have a very clear style. It's not, it's not like a lot of photographers. The thing that drives me the most insane with, with, especially when I find a photographer, I find a set of images I really like and then I go on my weird I need to go out more rampage of going through the internet to find more of their work. And then they look like they're on shuffle and some of their images look amazing. And some other stuff is just a completely different genre. It doesn't feel like it belongs in the same universe, which is a talent in itself, but it just drives me mad because I don't feel like there's an identity with you. I feel like there's a very strong identity. So I can't imagine you're getting people that are like, can you do some stuff that's like, you know, 1960s boho themed with, you know, pink and blue gels and they're wearing cat suits. I just can't see them coming to you for that kind of craziness. They, they would know what you do, surely. Yeah, well, I've, I've had, um, I did a shoot for a hair stylist um, and they wanted to use more. They liked my style, but they didn't want it to be um, like gray or white background. They wanted a more colorful 
background. So like they wanted the more pastel thing. And I was like, that's fine because it still fit into what I do, but it was slightly, it, you wouldn't necessarily recognize it if you're just used to seeing like the black, a lot of the black and white stuff I have on, on Instagram. Right. So um, that, that was slightly different, but still semi aligned. Um, so it, it depends, but yeah, I would say for the most part, it, there's, I, I'm not getting asked to do like what well, you just said, something crazy with, you know, uh, I, I would like, I, I'm trying to put together right now um, something that I think would, would work maybe better now that I'm in Finland because the market is definitely different here mm-hmm. um, than in London um, or, or elsewhere for that matter. So um, trying to put together uh, some things that I can show that wouldn't necessarily be in line with completely with what you see there, but yeah. not a, not a complete divergence, but I could, I could say, you know, Hey, you probably haven't seen some of this work because it's not something that I've, I don't post a ton of my stuff, but, um, you know, here's a, here's a layout of some, some images I've done for other clients or for, um, just myself, perhaps, um, putting a combination of that together and saying, you know, this is kind of where we could go with things. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's something I, I probably need to, um, look into a little bit further myself to, you know, especially being in a different place. I mean, I, I'm in Finland, but we've had the, the, the pandemic since I got here pretty much. And so it's not, given me a lot of time to figure things out or network or what have you. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's been a bit, a bit tough from that perspective. I think like, you know, I'm not saying that people should stick to like repeating the same thing over and over and build consistency that way. I, I just think it should be an evolution. It should be something where like something is introduced and then that becomes a part of the style as opposed to what it looks like in a lot of cases where people just kind of, they get distracted by some jingling keys and go off in that direction. And then there's a noise over here and they go off in that direction. And there's no real thread that connects all of it together, which makes being a fan of that work, or I guess in a commercial sense, knowing that that's the person that's right for a particular thing, a lot more difficult because what do they do is a lot harder to define because they do a lot. I want to, I, 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 I've waited two years for this to to pin you down on this podcast and actually Oops. ask you some oh, questions. Now I am scared, and I'm going to give you an out. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going but I'm going to throw you under the bus a tiny bit. So you said to me before we started, before we're recording, before this this is not included at any point in the podcast, but you it is now. You said that you had a a, a lot of ways of kind of distracting me. So that um, yeah. we could get away from my questions, and you've done pretty well to not use them, I think, unless you've used them so surreptitiously, I haven't even noticed. No, I've only the, only that thirty-five millimeter format thing. Yeah, that's I thought fine. I could get, I could diverge with that because that's technical stuff and camera geek geeking out camera wise. But that's yeah. that's fine. I, I I took that on the chin. I, I'm happy with that. But I'm going to give you a bit of an out here, and I'm going to let you escape, as it were, with uh, this question, and it's. We're, we're close to the end. I think this is quite an, a nice direction to go in for the end here. Influences outside of photography. So you've already talked about having like, I still think the osmosis is real. You might not be able to speak Finnish and you think that that answers all of my questions, but you're wrong. You're just not good at language because you're American. <laughs> but having the, the books around with the, the fashion work, watching the YouTube videos about fashion as opposed to the photography, just the actual fashion itself, the design side of things. Is there any other places outside of actually just watching people take pictures or looking at other people's pictures that they've taken? Do you find influence or inspiration for your photography? 
Oh, yeah. Um, so you're happy about that out, aren't you? Well, you are. Be- I am because it, it allows me to use every one of the um, <laughs> items that I wanted to divert. <laughs> I, I'm not joking. Literally every single one here. But yeah, um, okay. but I didn't say I couldn't speak. I can't speak like fluent Finnish well, but I can speak some and I can get by in some some cases. But um, anyone who's actually Finnish who's maybe worked with me or spent some time with me is probably laughing about that. But they, they know I can, say, I can say a few basic things, but I am, I am trying, by the way. <laughs> I would like to be fluent, by the way. I just want to go on the record as saying I would absolutely love to be fluent. And that is something that I have as a goal. See, this so is how I know that you're a true American and, not, and you, you didn't adopt Britain completely. Because you, you feel the need to defend yourself from my sarcasm. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, I, 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 you know, the sarcasm I like, I, I spent more than 12 years in the UK. So I, I, I definitely um, feel a strong, a strong bond with the country for sure. And I, I intend to be back there as soon as this Corona thing kind of opens a bit more um, just to visit and maybe do some work or even, you know, at least some shoots while I, I can get over there. Yeah. Some personal stuff, maybe at the very least. Um yeah, I love cinema. Uh, you probably already picked up a little bit on that. So uh, I know that you're a big fan of cinema. So I, I've, I, I do like that a lot. And I, I've been looking for, for inspiration there. But I also read a lot too. Mm-hmm. So I've been reading a lot, um, say the last five years, particularly looking for, for things. And in, 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 um, I used to read a lot of nonfiction, but the last five years or so, I've really spent a lot more time reading uh, fiction and getting acquainted with um, certain, st- like I, I, I like certain style. I can tell like if I'm reading uh, certain styles of prose and whatnot, and then the, just the, the worlds that we, we go to. I, I've been reading a ton of um, Japanese literature. I just finished a book called The Tale of Genji, which is like 1200 page book from a thousand years ago. <laughs> so right. it's, it, it's, you know, and even to read that book, I read two other books um, to get ready for that one. So it was like, <laughs> like it was, I, I wanted to acquaint my, I knew jumping into that, it was quite the project and I, I wanted to um, get the most out of it. So like, this is how, I don't know if this is crazy, but I, I read a book that is um, more geared towards um the history of Japanese poetry, because I knew that that would be a big part of that book. And I wanted to get as much out of it. And then the other one was understanding the court system of Japan back a thousand years ago. And so I read another book called the, the pillow book, which is actually a not, it was more of a nonfiction book, but it, it's, it was written by someone around the same time that the, the tale of Genji was written. And it's more written though, um, like a diary this particular person lived through those events and wrote a really interesting diary. Anyway, so I read all of that stuff just for this one book. And then it took me a while to read, you know, 1200 pages of this book. So um, I got the unabridged version, which is always good. Uh, but yeah, I read a lot of it, it recently, more of the Italians. And now I'm jumping into the French with um, um, Proust. I'm reading that book with the Madeline <laughs> by Swan's Way, I think it's called. So I, 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 I quite like his prose, believe it or not. He's, he's got like long sentences with many commas and a few semicolons <laughs> thrown in there. So you got to keep track of where the hell that sentence started. But I think I've got a good knack for it, but I, I'm enjoying it so far. So, but I find, I find that to be um, quite fascinating and, and, uh, yeah, cinema though. I mean, I, that, I love but, some but of the old wait, stuff. So just quickly then you're reading and then, 
how how is that to... how is that feeding into your inspiration? Uh, well, it like for, so for instance, a lot of the Japanese stuff uh, is giving me ideas that I haven't maybe expressed yet, mm-hmm. but um, I I would say there's been at least ten books um, that were written by Japanese authors that I've read in the last year and a half, last two years. And, um, I'm finding all of that fascinating and I'm trying to see where that, how, how that would, would, would lead into something, but it, it has given me a few ideas, um, particularly because you in, so for instance, in the pillow book, for instance, that particular woman writes a lot about fashion she's talking constantly about this this person wearing this or that and that's the latest fashion this is a thousand years ago um so you you can't help but dive into wanting to see what it was she was talking about mm-hmm. what are these colors she's referencing um how is this stuff made i mean it's it's uh, i find it quite fascinating and it's more in its historical context but it's 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 definitely something that i i i can see deriving ideas from in the not too distant future because it's you, you can't read that much about that particular part of the world and not find it you know of course i find it fascinating i wouldn't have read that many books about it but um i, I think it's definitely starting to influence some ideas that i've had right um whether i've been able to you know execute those just yet um yeah it's it's um because with cinema it's a lot easier to see the influence because yeah you yeah. can just hunt down cinematographers and find style through that. I've mentioned before we started this, that I, I just watched uh, Licorice Pizza, which is new Paul, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson film. And there are a couple of scenes in there, which are like, as a photographer, you're just rattling in your seat, like figuring out all of the decisions that have been made and how it's affecting. I watched it for the second time. And the second time I watch any film, I'm watching it more for the, the visual side of things more than like, paying too much attention to like dialogue and anything else. And there's just some amazing choices that get made by cinematographers. So it's very easy to see a link between watching a movie and then wanting to pick up a camera as opposed to reading a book. Right. I've kept you entirely for too long. I have one more question for you and I've never asked this question before on the podcast. So 176 episodes with the exception of probably like episode one, you're now getting the original questions. You're, you're very welcome for this. Um, I've I've pushed for two years to have this conversation with you, and uh, you've played hard to get. It's been very sweet and frustrating. It's lovely. Just to feel I've had a you know not the most interesting subject. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a guy that reads twelve hundred page long Japanese novels to get inspired for photography. You're not that interesting, definitely. Yes. <laughs> well, you read two books before you read the twelve. Anyway, um, it's in the in not in the context of a podcast, but in the context of just for your own mind space, for your own, I guess for your own osmosis, for you to absorb as much of what they can talk about and learn from them as much as possible. If I said to you right now, I could wave a magic wand and firstly unban travel. Um, but I could, I could put you in a position where you would sit down, you would have dinner or you would have coffee or whatever, whatever it is that Finnish British Yanks do with their time. You could have one conversation with any photographer who's the photographer it has to be a photographer don't don't try and cheat who's the photographer mm. that you would most want to sit down and have a conversation with yeah it's probably a million of them i i, I mean one of my favorite photographers paulo reversi so i'd probably want to have a chat with him mm-hmm. he seems he seems pretty pretty cool he's a bit bit older now but he's um i i like his work a lot and um i'm sure i'd have a you know 
some interesting questions, interesting conversation. He seems like a pretty, pretty nice guy in the, some of the video interviews I've seen of him. So um, yeah, I would say him, Paulo Reversi. That's pretty straightforward. It feels like that was a planned answer. It's probably on your list of things that you wanted to say. No, no, I just was, yeah, that's the, I, I could give you a big list, but I, I would say, yeah, he, he's been around through quite a lot of changes as well. So I'm sure he's got interesting stories and what have you. So. Well, it's also, you know, the the thing that's kind of kept me coming back to you to ask you to come on here is, is the influence that you had from that first meeting. And when you say there's a million names you could probably mention, that's probably true, I could say, from the experience of having a couple of lengthy conversations with you about photography that you probably could list uh, just uh, more photographers than I've ever heard of that are infinitely more interesting than the majority of the ones that I follow, which is kind of the beauty of this is that there's so many amazing people doing it. It's been absolutely fantastic to have this opportunity. I really do appreciate it. I know you've hated every second of it, so thank you so much. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so the most important part of this is just that people can find your work so that everyone likes the same stuff that I like, and therefore I become a human algorithm. So where can people go to see your fantastic images? Uh, well, there's two places, really. Only two places, I think. Um, there's the Instagram site, and then there's my website. Um, and I'm just afraid most people won't, unless you put it so the name in the title of this podcast um i use uh jay tuliniemi which is tuliniemi is a finnish name from my from my wife's side of the family so um so jtuliniemi.com or at, at jtuliniemi there you go the pain's over we've ripped the band-aid yes. off you never have to be scared of getting another dm off of me ever again you've done it You've got rid no, of no, me. I'll never hear from you again. That's, that's actually kind of sad, Chris. I, hope I, hear I didn't from say you. you'll never hear from me. I just don't have to be scared of it anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, thank you so much. No, no thanks. Thanks. I, I'm glad you've uh, helped me overcome my fear of um, the podcast. Mm-hmm.